Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. I am Josh Houts, and I am joined once again by my sidekick, Jake Mendel. Jake, how's it going today, man? I'm good, Josh. I'm good. You know, it's it's an interesting time of the year that kind of sneaks up on you because obviously it's hot out, but um, obviously I don't think our uh, Florida listeners are going to be able to, you know, really sympathize with us with um, what I'm about to say. But we're finally at that part of the summer where you sweat by just sitting there. And and that's really, yeah. it really sneaks up on you where all of a sudden your face is dripping and Really, that tells you that hopefully football is on its way. You know, I know that everything's still up in the air. It's looking like we're going to have no preseason games and things like that. But, you know, as other leagues get ready to play, I, I think I'm as hopeful as anyone if, you know, the NBA plays, if the MLB plays. I think there's zero shot. Uh, there is no football. But but it's starting to get that feeling of football in the air, and, and I hope we can come through on it in a couple months. Yeah, before we get any further into the show, please, if you're listening to this, subscribe to our podcast give us that five star rating follow us both on twitter i'm at houts h-o-u-t-z and jake is j mendel m-e-n-d-e-l 94 follow him on twitter give him lots of follows but you're right man i mean i don't think people in florida can sit here and they're listening to this just laughing but you go out (laughs) to get the mail and you know you come in and you're sweating a little bit it's about 90 degrees i think this whole week it's been 90 degrees here in pennsylvania so it's definitely sneaking up on you and like you said no one truly knows what's going to happen this season you know, you see the NFLPA and the owners, and they're all kind of going back and forth. I just saw Jawan James uh, on Instagram. He kind of gave out this heartfelt thing about, you know, we got to protect our families. The owners, you guys are just sitting back from a distance. You know, they want to know what's going on. So I think there's a long road before we do eventually see football, but hopefully it is on the horizon because, as we saw last week, we had lots to say about the wide receivers. Today we're going to touch on the running backs. So I think we just dive right into that, and let's get started talking about running backs. I completely agree with you, and and, and to kind of get an idea of, of the the landscape of the running backs the Miami Dolphins currently have, I think we have to start with one simple, simple question here. Um, does Ryan Fitzpatrick lead the team in rushing again next year, yes or no? I'm going to say no, and <laughs> I, I really hope not. I mean, it, that was an outstanding job by him, and I think we talk about it time and time again. You know, the Dolphins had a 32nd ranked run uh, offensive line in football, the guy had 243 yards, uh, you know, four touchdowns, broke Bo Jackson's. I think he had more. He, he at some point throughout the year, he surpassed Bo Jackson in, in, in rush, rushing touchdowns for his career. So <laughs> it, it was an anomaly. It's not something that we should expect. But, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick loves to do that. I mean, and when other quarterbacks would slide, Ryan Fitzpatrick was truck sticking over defenders. So I want to say no, but, you know, maybe in Ryan Fitzpatrick's head, he's thinking, you know, I still want to lead this team in rushing. And, you know, crazier things have happened. Yeah, and I, you know, 
nobody's going to call him, you know, a running quarterback by any means, but um, he had 304 rushing yards in 2008 and 269 in 2010. And not only was I, I think I was more surprised by the fact that, you know, this wasn't his career high in rushing than I was the fact he actually led the team in rushing. Uh, because when you look at those other numbers, you kind of get the idea. And when you look at his runs, it is really kind of trying to make something out of nothing. And two, there's like, you don't have to be a running quarterback to run, Ed. I know this is the running back episode, but these carries are important to put into the concept of, of how you know much the Dolphins struggled last year in the running game. But what Ryan Fitzpatrick was able to do is something we kind of begged Ryan Tannehill to do for years, and that's just kind of, if a play breaks down, just run away. You know, We thought you know the wide receiver, he has that speed, that's going to be something he'd be able to do. But we never really saw that. You know, When pressure would come, he tried to you know throw it into a tight window, uh, to Jarvis Landry, where, you know, he could have just ran for, you know, five, six yards before anybody was even near him, whether he slid or whether, you know, he tries to go for those extra few yards. But it was really interesting to see Ryan Fitzpatrick go about it that way. Um, the Dolphins, we mentioned it last week, uh, were the second highest pass percentage team in the NFL, throwing the ball 66% of the time. The Ravens were the lowest, throwing the ball 44% of the time. And they were, did I say throw the ball 44% of the time? If so, that is correct. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm going back and forth between the run-pass option here. Um, and the only team that was that ran the ball more than 50% of the time was the Ravens. So we can't really use them for an, to figure out an idea of how much the Dolphins plan to run the ball in 2020 because, like we said in the uh, wide receiver show, uh, the Dolphins were playing by so far behind so much last year. I mean, they weren't gonna, able to run the ball much. And even when they did, you know, a Kalen Balaj carry for one yard even hurts more than an incomplete pass. So that's something to keep in mind here. Um, but the average, quote-unquote, split between the pass and the run is basically 60-40. You know, you pass the ball 60% of the time, you run the ball 40% of the time. So that's 6% of the Miami Dolphins offensive snaps, give or take. Again, this is all rough estimates, but when you're thinking about things about, like, fantasy um, and, and just overall production, these are things you kind of want to keep in the back of your mind because in order to produce, you need that opportunity. Um, so... The Dolphins had roughly 1,100 offensive snaps based on last season, and that that's like a rough estimate, too. Um, so that would equal about 60 to 70 more rushing attempts in 2020 compared to 2019. Um, and just to kind of finish up the 2019 blurb, um, Balazs had the most attempts last season with 74 and averaged 1.8 yards a carry and had 11 yards per game. Uh, you can hear how enthusiastic I am about saying that. Patrick Laird averaged 2.7 yards per carry on 62 attempts, despite the fantasy community really, really falling in love with him. And then Mark Wallen and Kenyon Drake, two people who uh, ended up not finishing the season with the Dolphins for very, very, very different reasons. Uh, we're not going to get too, too much into uh, that. I mean, obviously, Kenyon Drake is the starter in Arizona now. But they combined for 100 attempts and averaged 3.8 yards per carry. Um, it is hard to get a pecking order of what the Miami Dolphins did, but it did seem like, and, and you know, we used to do our book camps where we'd sit there and rant about, um, we don't think Kalen Balazs is that, you know, we don't know how well he can excel in the next level, and that, that's kind of really come into fruition this season, or uh, last season, excuse me. But it seemed like the Dolphins wanted to do 50% of snaps with their quote-unquote starter, whether that was Balazs. Before that, it was Kenny Drake for a little bit. Mark Walton had his time. And then you, their number two got about 35% of the snaps or so. And then there'd be that, you know, third-string guy, the scat back or whatever it may be, uh, getting about 8% of the snaps. This will likely change change as someone uh really takes reins of that running game i think someone could look at 70 80 percent in any given week and i think that's why this group is so interesting because the dolphins signed jordan howard to two-year deal they signed matt like traded for matt Breida. 
But, you know, these are two guys, and we're going to mention Thunder and Lightning later, but Thunder and Lightning don't always hit at the same time. You know, there's, well, obviously, if we're going, you know, the, the literal definition, there's a couple seconds to a couple minutes between the two, but this could be a couple weeks between these with these two really get going. So, Josh, um, I've been talking a lot. Tell me a little bit about Jordan Howard. Okay, and the first thing I did while you were talking, and it kind of made me realize, Chan Gailey, last time he was a offensive coordinator, 2016 with the New Jersey, sorry, New York Jets. I, I wrote about New Jersey earlier in a tweet, so I, I got that a little bit mixed up there. So the New York Jets, and he had Matt Forte and Bilal Powell, and those two guys kind of have a similar skill set when you think about it to a Jordan Howard and a Matt Breida. You know, Jordan Howard's kind of that guy that likes to run people over. Matt Breida's more of that scat back that likes to make plays in open field and, and use his speed. I think he was um, clocked as the fastest player in 2019 at maybe, was it 25 miles per hour or something like that? Whatever it was, this is an explosive player. Continues to remind me of a Reggie Bush when the Dolphins made that trade. Jordan Howard, I mean, this is a guy that, I mean, surprisingly enough, is only 25 years old. As you say here, third most rushing yards since he entered the league in 2016. Averaged 4.4 yards per carry last season, 525 rushing yards in 10 games, and had seven touchdowns. Again, this is probably going to be the thunder to Brita's lightning, but when you look at what the Jets did, and Matt Forte in 13 games in 2016 had 218 carries, 813 yards, and seven touchdowns. So to me, I think Jordan Howard is probably going to be that guy that, you know, they, they bring in on first and second down and you know, then they bring in Brita in passing situations. And at the goal line, it's probably going to be a lot of Jordan Howard. But the biggest thing to me is we don't know how this is going to shape up. I mean, these guys have yet to get out there. And, you know, I'm sure they've been diving into the playbook via Zoom meetings and all these things. But until they get out there, until they, they go out there and take these reps, I mean, what we've learned from a Brian Flores coach team is that it is a competition and the best player is going to be out there. And like you said, this is going to be a fluid situation. Maybe one week they game plan and, and Matt Breida's, you know, getting a bulk of those carries. The next week, it's Jordan Howard. I mean, no one truly knows the way this running back room is going to be set up. But I think it's a pretty good guess that we can assume that Jordan Howard, two-year deal, $10 million. They brought him in. You know, we heard the rumblings. They wanted a Melvin Gordon. We heard the rumblings that they might draft a running back. They didn't either of those. They brought in Jordan Howard, again, 25 years old, a guy that seems like he's been in the league for 57 years, guy who, you know, has been under the radar, but he can carry that workload. And we saw that in Chicago. We saw that a little bit in Philadelphia before he got hurt. He beat out Miles Sanders. And I think you, as a fantasy football guy, we both know Miles Sanders' hype is unreal right now. The guy's getting drafted in the first round in some leagues. I mean, Miles Sanders is going to be one of the better backs in football over the next few years. And Jordan Howard, you know, went out there and proved that he was that guy in, in Philadelphia. So I don't see any reason why he doesn't do that here in Miami. But again, this is going to be a, a tandem. It's not just going to be one or the other, but I do think Jordan Howard's going to be that early down guy. And he's definitely going to get those carries at the goal line. So Again, it's up in the air, but Jordan Howard's absolutely a thunder. Now let's talk about the lightning, Matt Breida. And we got to credit Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post. He's the one who kind of hinted at the, the thunder and lightning approach. But he also did mention, too, you mentioned the Chan Gailey offense as someone who likes to have, you know, three receivers, even four receivers sometimes on the field all at the same time. A lot of the time, that means if you have the receivers out there, you don't have the blockers in, right? And, and Jordan Howard, I think, is someone who... Uh, you know, you mentioned Matt Forte. I think Frank Gore is another one, and there's some kind of debate about how good Frank Gore was in Miami. And I guess, uh, you know, the reason why you kind of might lean Matt Breida compared to a Jordan Howard is, you know, someone might average 
three yards per carry, four yards per carry. But if it's two, like, one-yard carries and you squeeze out an eight-yard carry, all of a sudden you're going to be feeling a lot of punts. Obviously, you know, hey, they're averaging four yards per carry. That's a first down. You know, every three plays, that's a first down. But that's not necessarily how it works and not really, like, a way you should really think about football. So that's the concern in the Chan Gailey offense is – Matt Breida looks like someone who's going to fit in a lot faster, a lot quicker, someone who's going to be able to beat defenders in or- compared to, you know, using blocks. But I'm not trying to bash Howard here because I do think he will be a fun guy in that Miami Dolphins backfield. But the Dolphins did trade a fifth-round pick for Matt Breida, and he was clocked as the fastest runner in both the last two seasons. But uh, when, you know, talking about something like that, being clocked as the fastest runner, yes, obviously you need to be fast to get there, but... In order to reach your top speed, you need blockers and you need open fields. So whether that's missed assignments or something, I mean, Kalen Balazs, that run against the Vikings, people were talking about it. That's the reason why Kalen Balazs had so much hype going into the 2019 season was because that run, that 75-yard run against the Vikings where they were talking about how fast he got it and it was the fastest run in over three years for the Miami Dolphins, yada, yada, yada. But but as you saw, you know, that, that, that doesn't really mean too much if you have the fastest run because... So many more things matter, whether it's blocking schemes, whether it's did seven guys just, you know, miss their assignments and you just had a huge open lane to kind of take it to the house where in the NFL, I think nobody's going to tell you they're going to, it's not a track meet, you know, you're not going to be able to just sprint off the field. But what Brita really brings is that excitement. You know, I really liked him in terms of fantasy the last couple of years. Um, he made the most of a three-man backfield in 2019 with 623 yards and 123 rushing attempts. Uh, that was about a five, uh, five yards per carry average. Hey, but if he's averaging five yards, why don't they just, you know, run it over and over and get those first downs? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> however, he had just one receiving and one rushing touchdown in 2019. Do you like how I'm arguing with myself here? You know, that's just kind of. I thought you were at. yawning. At, I thought you were yawning at first. So that was a great. Uh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like that uh, mimic voice. 2018, quote unquote, was his breakout year as a sophomore with 30 carries. Uh, with 30 more carries uh, compared to 2019. So that's 153 for 814 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and to me, it kind of seems like Breed is the open field guy where you'll give it to Howard inside the 20s. But I saw a, a stat about Adam Gase. And, and I want to kind of, it was. Um, Yuck. Yeah, do you, I, I don't know if you, I, I don't know it off the top of my head. This I'm sorry, this is horrible radio, but it was something along the lines of, uh, you know, running backs had this many attempts um, inside the 20 in 2019. Um, the Adam Gates offense has had less than that amount of running back attempts inside the 20 in his last three years as a coach. So basically his sense is you don't run the ball inside the 20, inside the five, whatever it may be, because I think the 20 even skews it a little bit. But, you know, you have to wonder, too, the Dolphins, it kind of seemed like they use that offense quite a bit, whether it's the bootlegs to Albert Wilson uh, things like that, you know, you throw it up to Jacecki, you throw it up to Parker, you throw it up to uh, Preston Williams they're doing early in the season. So when you say it, when I kind of say Breed in the open field compared to Howard inside the 20s, that has to be a little concerning because you think, oh, he's the goal line back, he's going to get all the carries, yada, yada, yada. But just since he's their goal line guy doesn't necessarily mean they'll go to him. And with the Dolphins, the way they're set up in the receiving core, I have a little bit of concern about drafting someone, say, in fantasy uh, like Jordan Howard, just because we don't know how the Miami Dolphins are really going to operate inside the red zone. I get under it's a new offense, but, you know, like we just mentioned in the Joe Shad blurb, it seems like Breida is more likely to be the guy when there's three, four wide receivers out there, and all of a sudden that quote-unquote goal line guy isn't really finding his niche. Right, and I think one of the biggest things that we have to look at, and I have a quote here from Brian Flores after the Dolphins made that trade, 
Um, we all know J.K. Dobbins was one pick away. That's going to break my heart for many years. But this is what Flores said about Breida. This is a very explosive young running back with good vision that can create a lot of big plays. But he's also tough. He's also smart. He also has a lot of the qualities we're looking for in our players. It was an exciting phone call, and I can't wait to get him out there. So, I mean, on draft night, we know how great the running back room was, or the prospects, and we all thought the Dolphins were going to draft a guy, whether it was CEH in the first for some reason, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, the list goes on and on. They didn't do that. They signed Jordan Howard in free agency, two-year, $10 million contract. That's, I mean, that's a decent amount of money for a 25-year-old running back, especially in today's NFL. And then they went out there and they traded a fifth-round pick for Matt Breida. I think it was a great trade at the time. I still do, and I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I keep comparing this to 2012 Reggie Bush. And, I mean, he just seems like when you're watching the film, this is a clone of what Reggie Bush was. You know, coming out of college, Reggie Bush was one of the most explosive, if not the most explosive player in college football history. And then when he went to the Saints, you know, he didn't quite make that same impact that many expected. And then he got his opportunity when he came to Miami, and he was kind of that workhorse there for a little bit. And he exceeded a 1,000 yards rushing. And I think that it goes back to what, you know, Chan Gilly looks for in his running back room. And we talk about the Jets. You can go back even further and talk about what he did when he was with the Bills. I believe they had Fred Jackson. They had C.J. Spiller. I mean, C.J. Spiller was the same. Go that's ahead. That's a good Sorry. comparison. Sorry. No, I was just going to say that those two, the Fred Jackson, C.J. Spiller, I mean, that exactly. literally screams yeah. Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, if you really want to think about it that way. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at. I mean, it's completely – I mean, C.J. Spiller was kind of that same uh, Reggie Bush type of impact player, and you see the same thing with Matt Breida. And to me, the biggest thing is uh, we have to look at Barry Jackson's article. It came out yesterday, and he said the Dolphins have yet to sit down and really talk an extension with Breida. But they haven't with Ray Call McMillan either. They haven't with Devon Godshaw. They're kind of waiting to see what the cap situation's like, you know, whether it inflates next year or, I mean, whatever could happen. This could be impacted by just what happens this season, but – Matt Breida could be another long-term guy here. I mean, we got we got Jordan Howard for two years locked up. Why can't Matt Breida be that lightning for the next few years? And I think it's going to come down to, again, this ter- certain situations. You know, Chan Gailey's offense to me is one that likes to spread him out. And you mentioned earlier, that, you know, those four wide receiver sets. Jordan Howard can make that impact between the tackles. But who, I mean, I, I'm not a coach and neither of us are. But you sit there and you, you can play Madden or you can look throughout the history of football. You know, when you spread them out and you have that running back that can make defenders miss in the open field and then just use his speed, you know, to get to the edge or to, to explode up the middle. I mean, I think Matt Breed is going to have that big impact. and He's going to be that high upside player that the Dolphins desperately need. So we can talk about Fred Jackson, C.J. Spiller. You know, you can even talk about Bilal Powell and um, uh, whoever, whoever uh, Matt Forte and, and with the Jets, but I mean, those are two very eerily similar comparisons to what type of players the Dolphins get here, and I think we all need to be excited because uh, Brian Flores is excited, and it seemed like throughout the entire draft process, you know, they always had this in their back pocket. You know, you're playing a game of cards, you know, you somehow pull out this this uh, perfect hand out of out of your hat, like you know, you're sat in it, sitting on it the entire time, you're bluffing, you know. They, they turned over the river, and there you went all in or whatever it is. I mean, that's kind of what they did here with Matt Breida. I think he's going to be the perfect player for this offense, and I'm excited to see the way it works out because, again, this is a guy who didn't quite get those same touches in San Francisco. That was a committee-type thing, and I don't know that this is going to be the, to that with the same extent. You know, they're not going to give Patrick Laird or 
Miles Gaskins or Kalen Balash some of these touches that Matt Breed or Jordan Howard won't because, I mean, I think those guys are going to go out there and show that they're efficient enough to ride those hot hands. And then, you know, you bring in a Patrick Laird in passing situations. He, maybe he's a, a Danny Woodhead. I know we're going to talk about Patrick Laird here in a second, but to me, I like what the Dolphins have with their running backs. And, you know, you got to be excited because it's much better than what we saw last year. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys... It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever prohibitive. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And, you know, I'm excited about these two. I truly am. I mean, outside of having that, you know, Ezekiel Elliott type running back um, um, back there, this this is kind of a best case scenario. You have two guys coming in. Uh First year's first year with the Dolphins, but they're veterans and and they're cheap and and they're just they kind of just fit the bill of the excitement of of you know Matt Breida compared or combined with the consistency of Jordan Howard. I mean that is just something the Dolphins really haven't had you know since Reggie Bush because even you know you think about back to the Kenyon Drake you know was a boomer bat bust and I I don't know if that's necessarily all his fault but that's kind of the way the offense ran. Um, Lamar Miller was the same way. This really looks like. Uh, offense where you can hand the guy the ball when you're up by 7, 10, 14, whatever it may be late in a game, and you give the ball to someone like Jordan Howard, or you need one big breakaway run by Matt Breida to put the game away from good. I think the Dolphins really have a good plan in place for no matter what the situation is, despite really having an opportunity to sit down and talk about it yet. Uh, I do have some concerns, though, about riding, quote-unquote, the hot hand, uh, and that brings us to Kalen Balaj. I get there's a new offensive coordinator. Chad O'Shea is gone, but... But this is, I think, you know, I wrote here, do we have to do this? But I think this is a conversation we have. I don't think Balazs will make the team trying to come back from that injury with the amount of competition in this year. Uh, he had 1.8 yards per carry in 2019 and just for 10 first downs on 74 attempts. Uh, he was a fourth-round pick in 2018, and he started six games for the Dolphins and had more rushing attempts than anyone else. And that's really my concern is because, you know, there were so many warning signs that, hey, maybe it's time to, you know, not have Balazs be the guy. And, you know, we can make the argument, and I'll probably agree with you that, you know, just because you're the starter doesn't mean you get the, the highest total of snaps, because I think we did see a fair share of Kenyon Drake. Um, when he, We did see a fair share of Mark Walton for a little bit there. But, you know, those 74 rushing attempts to lead the team is just really concerning for the sense of Brita has three strong runs, but uh, Howard had 15 in the average, 4.5 a carry, so we're just going to keep feeding Howard. Instead of really keeping to that consistency of switching it up. I think that's my biggest concern with the Miami Dolphin running game as a whole. 
And I guess another huge concern is playing from behind, but I'm just trying not to think that the Dolphins will lose another 59-10 to 10 game for the rest of my life. So I'm not even going to try to put that into the perspective. But I think that's where my concern is, and maybe the coaching staff just... Maybe Balazs is a practice guy. Maybe he impresses so much on that practice field that, that it's going to be hard for Flores and, and staff to really show him the door. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think that you and I both were not very high on Kalen Balazs. You know, you talked about our little book clubs that we did and we were kind of ahead of the curve with saying Kalen Balaj was not going to be a very good running back but he was drafted in 2018 like you said so he really only has two years under his belt I mean we can sit here and talk about you know the inconsistency when coaching and what could have come into effect there and really hinder his performance but to me the biggest thing was when he came out and said you know he had nothing to prove and I kind of soured on him extreme mm-hmm. I mean I, I didn't really think the world of him before that but once he said that I mean I kind of me the wrong way so I've kind of been extremely down on Kalen Blodge but you're right who knows maybe he goes out there and he does what a guy his size should do I mean I don't know if you follow him on Instagram but this dude looks like a freaking juggernaut he looks like he should be bulldozing through people and you know all I can picture in my head is when the Dolphins needed a yard him getting stopped running into his own offensive lineman and you know they were they're bringing the punting unit out so to me he has a lot to prove and I think when you look at the roster I mean Patrick Laird we're going to talk about him. We're going to talk about Miles Gaskin. You know, you can sit here and make a case for Malcolm Perry because I think he's also listed as a running back. I mean, yeah. why would you keep Kalen Balaj when you got those guys? I, I just don't see that he has that same upside, at least from what we saw in two seasons. Because besides that run against Minnesota Vikings, I think it was a 75-yarder, he's done absolutely nothing. He's averaged three yards per carry his career. And I think that that's skewed by a huge 75-yard run. I mean, that's definitely concerning. So, a guy his size, 1.8 yards per carry. I mean, I know the offensive line was dreadful, but you talked about it earlier. You know, um, Mark Walton, Kenyon Drake, they both averaged decent. I mean, uh, north of closer to four yards per carry, you know. So I, I just don't know what Kalen Blodge's issue is. But he's a young player, and I think at some point you got to at least give them one more chance. And without a preseason potentially and without training camp, I mean, is he going to get that other chance? And that's, uh, I, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see with any position, but with the running back group, I mean, Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, they solidify themselves. You would think Malcolm Perry's also there, and we can talk about Patrick Lair in a second. So I just don't think, I think you're right when you put, I, I don't think he's going to make the team and maybe go somewhere else and has success, but I just don't know that it's going to be here in Miami. Yeah, I mean, fourth-round pick, that, that kind of tells you enough where maybe another team will take a training camp flyer or something like that. If he is cut, I mean, we're getting, I at least I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. All right, but then um, it goes back to the running back thing. You know, people love to say running backs are a dime a dozen, so why right. would you pick up a Kalen Balaj when you can, you know, take a flyer on another guy? So it, it'll be interesting to see for sure. Oh, there's no no doubt about it. Um, and, and I completely agree with the nothing to prove really seemed like a, you know, when, when someone like Brian Flores is saying, you know, you always have to compete for your starting job. You have to be there fighting. Um, nothing's, you know, given but earned, yada, yada. And then just for him to come out and say that when you're averaging, you know, one point seven yards per carry, it, it just, it's a little frustrating, especially as a fan. Uh, Patrick Laird, um, he became kind of a fantasy cult hero late in the season based on my Twitter feed. Uh, players started, people started to really like him. Um, and I can kind of see why he was pretty exciting. And you can tell, you know, obviously Miami's offensive line struggled, so that skewed things. But um, he started four games and just averaged 2.7 yards per carry. Uh, but that looks so much better. 
better next to uh, someone like Kalen Balaj. So you have to wonder, you know, if, if the fantasy heads were just like, hey, we're getting some sort of production. It's be exciting about. Uh, he looks like a bowling ball in the sense of he's really just going to put his head in, down and go and try to get every yard he can. However, that doesn't mean he's going to, you know, knock all the pins over. Some of the pins might even knock over him. But he's he's a nice change of pace, add a little flair. He's someone who can catch a defensive back sleeping, thinking they can just make, like, a basic tackle. And all of a sudden, he's going to do whatever he can to get out of it. That's kind of the sense I got from him. Uh, you started four games after being a backup and special teams uh, guy. Um more first-down receptions than first-down runs. Again, I think that kind of goes towards Miami's offensive line. But he caught 23 of 30 targets that came his way. I think he's a solid backup and a player I wouldn't hate to have on my team, especially as a third or fourth guy who can play on the special teams and make an impact on the special teams. I think Patrick Laird kind of just checks too many boxes for the Dolphins to kind of ignore. Yeah, and I was kind of one of those guys that got behind the Patrick Laird hype, and I don't know if it was just because... I mean, I wish I remember the stat, but there was a time in college where I don't think he dropped a pass in so many attempts, and it was this unheard of number. I really wish I could look that up and figure it out. But, I mean, Patrick Laird is a guy that I, I make the comparison, and a lot of people say, oh, it's because, you know, he looks similar to a Danny Woodhead or a Rex Burkhead, but he just has that same mold, you know. He's a guy, like you said, he's not going to go down with first contact. There for a little bit, you know, he was lining up on the outside, creating mismatches and, and man mm-hmm. coverage against linebackers. So I definitely think there's a role for him. And I, I love that, you know, he did become this fantasy cult hero. I mean, he's one of the few Dolphin players that follows me on Twitter. And, you know, every now and then we interact back and forth. So it's really awesome. And I'm excited to see, you know, what he can do as that third that third guy in this room. You know, this is his second year. He is nicknamed the intern, a guy that many people didn't really expect much from. But he kind of worked his butt off and when he had those opportunities, he, he seemingly made the most of them. So I, I think that, um, you know, Patrick Laird has a better chance of making this roster than Kalen Balaj, but I think a lot of that has to do with his skill set. He's a guy that can line up on the outside, like I said, and create those mismatches. And it's just an overall, he reminds you of almost like a Christian McCaffrey light or something like that. So I don't know what we can expect from Patrick Laird, given the touches, but I do think that he's going to be that third guy in the running back room when all is said and done. I agree with you. And, um, I didn't write too, too much about Miles Gaskin, the former seventh round pick. Um, and, and as early as last week, there are whispers that, you know, he will be competing with Patrick Laird and Kalen Balaj for that third running back spot. And Gaskin, I think, is a quality football player. And, and I think that's kind of the perspective that, that needs uh, that, that really rides with NFL running backs is in order to like make it more than your two, three years. Uh, you need to not be good. You need to give some some kind of awe, something that you really need to make a name for yourself because otherwise people are going to look for someone else who, you know, it's it's all about your floor and ceiling. So Gaskin, he averaged 3.7 yards a carry, which was solid. Uh, 36 rushes for 133 yards. He had a long, uh, let me see here, 27 yards. Uh, and he got seven receptions of 12 targets that came his way. He was consistent. And he was all right. Uh, the only concern is there. It, it's an uphill battle for someone like Miles Gaskin to really make a name for himself in the limited snap count behind a second or third string offensive line and really, you know, prove that I deserve a spot. My ceiling hasn't been reached yet, and I'm going to be able to make some big plays for this football team. Yeah, with Gaskin, like you said, it was a very small sample size, so you almost got to go back and see what he did in college. And I'm looking at it here as a junior he rushed for 2,182 yards and 35 touchdowns at Washington. Crazy. And then he followed that up his senior year with 1,567 yards and 25 touchdowns. So that's 60 touchdowns, you know, in, in two seasons. So this is a guy that has all the, you know, 
attributes you'd look for. I mean, he has the success at the college level, and then he has a speed back, 4.5840 at the combine. Smaller guy, you know, five foot nine, but he's one of those guys that you just can't count out. And I think a lot of fans kind of liked what they saw from him. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how much that carries over. I think we all remember that touchdown he had um, against the Cincinnati Bengals when Ryan Fitzpatrick was almost getting ready to fight the referee trying to get that football back for him. I mean, it was <laughs> awesome to see. But again, this is a seventh round draft pick. So we'll see how, if he can stick. And if he does, you know, maybe he's a return man. Maybe he comes in and, and runs some plays, you know, and. Patrick Laird's absence or you know maybe he's a similar style to Matt Breed I mean that's kind of the running back that I see here is right a guy that's you know one of those scat backs and we're talking about seventh round pick here perfect transition into Malcolm Perry and he's a guy that a lot of Dolphin fans you know are, are pretty high on just because of what he did in college and I'm looking at it here he has the record uh for most rushing yards in a season by a quarterback in 2019 he had 2017 yards rushing as a quarterback and I know that Navy offense is a little bit different but, I mean, the guy has the potential to be, you know, I, I can't really even put them to words. You know, what we thought Pat White might be. You know, what Bill Parcells thought he could do with Pat White in that whole wildcat gimmick. But Malcolm Perry can throw the football. You know, he can line up in the slot and catch the football. And then he can run the football. It's a guy that, I make the joke, you know, we know what a Swiss Army knife is, a guy that can do everything. This is a Navy man, so he's the Swiss Navy knife. That's kind of the nickname I made up. Got crapped on for that on Twitter, but I'm going to stand by that. So I think Malcolm <laughs> Perry makes the roster, seventh-round pick, 246th overall. I would imagine Malcolm Perry makes the roster ahead of, you know, Miles Gaskin, maybe even Patrick Laird and Kalen Balage. But I don't know what his role is. He's listed as a running back, so we're going to talk about him like he's a running back. But this is a player that Dolphin fans are excited for because he kind of got that, you know, that video game highlight type to him in. I'm excited to see what the Dolphins could do with him because I, they ran the Wildcat last year with Kalen Balazs. You can't tell me it's not going to be a hell of a lot more successful with a guy like Malcolm Perry at the helm. I, I like the hype, and that's what you kind of do with the seventh-round seventh pick. You take the risks, you take the chances because they're seventh-round picks. But I'm not going to sit here and say I'm as sold on him. Um, the reason... I might I might get some guff for this, but you know when I see someone doing you know three different things uh, pretty well, it's because they can't do one thing extremely well, right? You know if he was so good at running the ball, he'd just be a quarterback. If he was so good at just catching the ball, he might make it as a slot wide receiver. If he was so good running the ball, he'd be a running back. Um, but but what we see here is someone who can do a bit of everything pretty well. He does have fumbling issues, and I just wonder if you know any of those things that he can do pretty well can really translate to the football field. I love the chances. I love the thought of him. I think it's a super exciting pick. However, you know I'm not ready to be sold on it just yet. I think it is still an uphill battle, and you know. I really think it's going to come down to any of these guys. What can what have you done for us lately? I think that's really how you're going to figure out the difference between Balazs, Laird, Gaskin, and Perry. And I think Laird's going to be able to showcase the most of uh, whether it's consistency, explosiveness, really ability to be there when his team needs him. Uh, Malcolm Perry, you know, he'd be an ideal practice squad guy, I think, too, if he doesn't make the roster. Even Miles Gaskin can do that, you know, with a, a wonky season coming up like it is. Uh, you know, injuries happen in football, let alone, you know, if someone has to sit out for a couple weeks uh, uh, with any type of sickness, you know, you bring up someone like Gaskin, give Malcolm Perry a shot. However, I think it's going to be hard to upend Laird for that number three shot based on just his consistency. But even for him to, you know, establish himself and go from the intern to the associate, it needs to be about consistency. It needs to be about what else can you do for us. 
And and for Malcolm Perry, I need to really see something on a professional football field before I can get excited about uh, his his talent, which, again, he is an incredibly talented player. I mean, we even just said how Miles Gaskin had 2,000 yards and was a seventh-round pick. You know, there's a difference from going to the college game to the NFL game, and I'm, I'm very excited to see this. I just don't know if I'm really sold on it just yet. Yeah, I think that's kind of the way these summer months go. You know, we get overly excited because we see this highlight reel of this guy in college. And, again, he played for Navy. So how good was the competition that he was truly facing? We mentioned Miles Gaskins and how great he looked in college. So you're absolutely right. we got to temper our expectations. But to me, I just see a guy, I think they went after Chris Strebler, that he was kind of that Taysom Hill type in Canada. Yeah. The Dolphins were very interested in him. So to me, I think it's more about what I think that they might envision for a guy like Malcolm Perry. And to me, just thinking about this gimmick, you know, we see it with Taysom Hill. You know, why can't a guy like Malcolm Perry uh, be the Dolphins' Taysom Hill? And I think that's kind of why fans get excited. But you're right. In this uncertainty surrounding the 2020 season, you know, you made a great point. The practice squad, that's probably going to be expanded. You know, there's probably going to be more spots on there for teams to to dump some of these guys that, you know, are on the bubble. So maybe that's where Malcolm Perry sticks to start. Maybe that's where Miles Gaskin goes. I think you're right. I think we both agree Patrick Laird's the number three running back in this in this room. I think that he showed enough last year to at least earn the trust of the coaching staff. But again, none of this is going to truly matter until they get out there and prove to Chan Gailey, prove to Brian Flores, you know, this is what I can do. This is what you can do for me lately. And unfortunately, we don't know when that's going to happen. We don't know if they're going to get their opportunities in preseason because it sounds like the NFLPA wants to do away with preseason. You know, I think the uh, I think the agreement was they get, they're going to have 48 days to get acclimated before the start of the NFL season. We don't even know when they're returning, you know, to camp. So there's lots of uncertainty surrounding this season. But I think we can both say, in conclusion with all of this, is the Dolphins running backs look a hell of a lot better this year than it did oh, last yes. year. And even we'll get into the offensive line, but I think it all starts with the offensive line. And I know we'll probably touch on that in the next episode, but I'm excited for this running back room. And I think what the Dolphins did, you know, given the circumstances, they didn't overpay for Melvin Gordon. They didn't trade up to get a J.K. Dobbins or DeAndre Swift as much as that pains me. But they went out there and they got these players that have been productive in the NFL. And they're both young. So, if you know, if they do go out there and show, you know, okay, we are the guy. You know, this is the tandem in Miami for the next, you know, three to five years. They have enough wiggle room that they can bring these guys in and, you know, they can build something special here. So on paper, it looks a hell of a lot better than it did last season. Yeah, the, the floor is is outstanding compared to last season. And obviously, I think what that the ceiling is higher, too. Um, you, you just got to love what, what the the history books have said about Jordan Howard, have said about Matt Breida. There is excitement there. And, you know, it, it's important to keep in mind that anybody who, who makes the NFL is incredibly talented. It's just all of a matter of being the you know, the incredibly talented of the incredibly talented, you know what I mean? And it really seems like the Dolphins have a couple of guys here who can, who have that potential, but it's just going to be key. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch and, and hopefully these guys get their opportunities. And, and I think that will be my biggest concern is really trying to figure out when to use the guy in the right situation. I think if the Dolphins can do that, this is going to be a, a blast to watch these guys really, you know, run the ball, even catch the ball, I guess. Completely agree. I'm excited to see what they can do this year. Um, is there anything else you want to say about the running backs before we get going? I think th- I think that's just about it. I, I I think you know if I had to go down the list of if I had to go you know just put these guys in order, I think it'd go Jordan Howard, Matt Breida, uh, Patrick Laird, Miles Gaskin, Kalen Blage, Malcolm Perry. I think I'd go in that order. I know there's a lot to be seen. I know a lot of things could change, but that'd probably be what I would do. Uh, if you want to run down it real quick too, and then we'll get everyone out of here. That that sounds beautiful to me. Yeah, man. I'll shake it up a little bit. We'll go Matt, 
Add a line. Add a line. Just let Dave finish, okay? Can you hear jamming back there? <laughs> I'll change it up a little bit. I'll go Maparita, Jordan Howard. Uh, God damn it. Add a line. Relax. I can always add this in later. If you want to just do the closing, I can just add in my part later. Cause she, okay, she's done. Uh, I'd change it up a little bit. I think I'll go Matt Burita just to be different. Jordan Howard, Patrick Laird, Malcolm Perry, Miles Gaskin, Kalen Balazs. I'll go with I, that order. I like it. I like it. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. As Help said on the top, please hit us with that subscribe button. Give us a five-star review. Leave a comment. That helps us all so, so much. And hopefully we'll figure out a way to reward you guys for doing that soon. But, but again, it helps us so much. Keep the conversation going. Ask us your questions. I think we hit about just about all of them on our shows in any given week. So at Houts, at JMetal94, leave comments on the Finsider page. I mean, I try to look at as much of those as I can, too. Thank you all so much for joining us. Josh, it's always a blast talking football with you, buddy, and I hope you have a great rest of the day. You too, man. Enjoy your day, and most importantly, fins up. Fins up, my friend. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. We're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins.